All right, so how do we find unity in Jesus in the midst of our political differences? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, once again, we are going to tackle some controversies, but we are going to be as constructive as we can. All this week, we've been talking about Christians and politics, the church and Donald Trump, evangelicals and the midterms. We're raising some thorny issues, some challenging issues, some controversial issues. We're confronting some sensitive issues, but we're doing so with the goal of edifying we're doing so with a, with a goal of trying to hear out one another, getting some opposing, differing perspectives, and from there, coming to a place of unity in Jesus in the midst of differences. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. A number of you ready to weigh in yesterday. We weren't able to get to, you weren't able to hold long enough, but I, I spotted a few of the calls that I really wanted to bring on because you differed with me or you different callers differing with one another. We, we only had so much time, but I'm, I'm going to try a little experiment today. All right. I'm going to try an experiment today and we'll do this a little later in the broadcast. And I want you to hear certain words without knowing who they're coming from and letting me know if you agree or disagree with the words. Some years ago, I was debating a militantly anti-Israel, at times even anti-Semitic pastor from England. He's not doing pastoral ministry now in the Church of England because of the comments he was making. He was told either drop the comments or get out of ministry, so he got out of ministry. But we were doing a mini debate on Moody Radio, and I quoted something he had said, a really, really ugly quote. And he said, I've never said that, never said that. Well, it was him and it was ugly. I quoted it to him. He said, I never said that. Well, I, I had the reference. I said, it was at such and such a church, this, this date during the Q&A session. I read it to him and he goes, well, okay, I'm, I'm at home with that. I'm at home with that. So first he, he disowned it. Not me. I wouldn't say that. Never. That's wrong. That's bad. No. Then when he realized he had said it, he said, well, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. I, I can stand with it. So what I find, and now, now hear me out here. What I find is that often, if we think someone we like made the comment, we interpret it favorably. We interpret it through a certain lens. If it turns out that someone that we don't like made the comment, we interpret it unsympathetically. So if, if you say to me, you know, you hold to this position, I would never hold to that position. That's crazy. And they said, no, a year ago, you said thus and such. Like, oh, well, actually, here's what I meant. Now we're going to modify it. And I think, honestly, I'm going to put this out. You can differ with me. That's fine. I'm not trying to win friends. I'm trying to honor the Lord and speak the truth in love. I believe a lot of times that our political differences, our social differences, our lifestyle experiences— our varied perspectives are such that we are not as impartial as we may think we are. Now, 
you might be holding in your hands my new book, Donald Trump is Not My Savior, an evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports as president. And you may be looking at the cover and saying, okay, the title, it sounds like it's against Trump. The subtitle sounds like it's for Trump. I, I don't really know what to make of this. Are you for him or are you against him? Now, I wrote the book in a way that ultimately supports President Trump and with a hope that evangelicals who have a problem with him, who are never Trumpers, who say there's no way I could see you voting for him, could read the book and get a little bit different perspective. And because of that, being able to vote for policy versus for personality. I believe it's important that we do vote in the midterms. But let me make this clear, and, and I'll go back to Joshua, the fifth chapter. God is not a Democrat, and God is not a Republican. Can I say that again? Maybe I'll write an article with that title today. God is not a Democrat, and God is not a Republican. You might say, well, God's values are much more in harmony with this party or that party. I'm not arguing that we could make a case for that. What I'm saying is that God transcends politics. God is not an American. God is not a Russian. God is not a Mexican. God transcends ethnicities. God transcends races. All right. And, and you can't put him in that box. So when, when Abraham Lincoln was asked many years ago, 160 or so years ago, when he was asked if, if God was for him or against him or for his cause or against his cause, he, he said the key, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that, that I am for his cause. That's, that's what matters. So Joshua, the fifth chapter. How many of you remember this chapter? It's right before the children of Israel take Jericho. The end of the chapter, Joshua encounters a man with a drawn sword, and he obviously looks imposing. And he says to him, are you for us or against us? And this commander of the, the Lord's host is obviously a holy messenger, could well be the son of God himself. Because in a moment, he tells Joshua, take your shoes off your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. But how does this commander of the armies of the Lord answer Joshua? Now, remember, God was going to go and fight for Israel. God was with Israel. God was in the midst of Israel. God was going to go and fight Israel's battles to drive out the Canaanites. He was going to go with them. He, was, he would say repeatedly to Joshua, I'm with you. I'm with you. The way I was with Moses, I'm with you. But Joshua asked the commander of the Lord's host, are you for us or against us? And what does he say? No. That's the answer. You say, what does the Hebrew say? No. <laughs> That's what it says. I'm not for you or against you. I'm a messenger from God. The question is, are you with me or not? Are you for the purposes of God or not? So we make a mistake when we put God in the middle of partisan politics as if he identifies as Republican or Democrat, or he identifies as liberal or conservative, or he identifies as libertarian or independent. I'm a registered independent, not because that's a holier than opposition. I'm too holy for the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. No, that's not my thinking at all. I cannot identify with a particular party because I'm too good. No, no. It's that for me, it is a reminder that I identify first and foremost as a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom and then 
as a loyal citizen to America, seeking to serve my country and do what's best for my country. That, that is my mentality. So for me, personally, saying I'm a registered independent says ultimately I don't have a party affiliation. I voted largely for one party or, or, or leaders within one party for some years now because that party has more mirrored the values that are important to me. But I understand that no party has it all right and that there are things on the left that, that are good sensitivities and things on the left that are bad and the same on the right. So that our primary identification must be, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. The Bible, God's word, is my guide. I make decisions based on allegiance to the Lord, not allegiance to a man or a party or a platform. Now, you may be a political leader and you may be affiliated with a party, or you may be an organizer working with a particular party and you help rally people, get them to vote and register, and, and you want them to vote in a certain direction, and that's part of what you do. Well, that's, that's your job. That's your job. But if you're a follower of Jesus, above and beyond your party affiliation, there's loyalty to the Lord. And when the party goes in a different direction or where a leader goes in a different direction, you say, I have to obey God. My allegiance is first and foremost to the Lord. That's why, and it's one of the points I make in my new that I believe it's even better to better than praying, God bless America, which I'm all for. I don't want God to curse America or judge America or destroy America. But even better than God bless America, which for many of us means make us bigger, stronger, right? God bless America, stronger economy, stronger military. Stronger. That's, that's what a lot of people think when they think God bless America. There's something higher than that to me which is, God, your kingdom come to America. That's going to mean repentance. That's going to mean transformation. That's going to be, mean shaking up the political system. That's going to mean the church getting right with God. That's going to mean the, the kingdom of God coming to the lost and many lost people being saved. It, it's going to mean social justice it's, it's, it, in, in the, the right and biblical sense. It's, it's going to mean rehabilitation of the hurting. It, it's going to mean a lot of beautiful and wonderful things. So that's ultimately where I land. And that means that one day I'll be saying, I'm so pleased with what the president has done. And it takes a man of courage. It takes a man who's got a, a forehead of steel. It, it takes someone that's unshakable and immovable, that doesn't care what the media says. And I'm so pleased with what he's done. And it's major. It's big. And there have been quite a few things like that in the last two years that are major and big that I'm really pleased with. But because I draw the line, not with allegiance to the president or allegiance to a party, because I draw the line with allegiance to the Lord, that means on another day, I might say, I'm, I'm displeased with this. I, I wish these things wouldn't happen. Look, there are reports now of bombs that were sent to a Clinton residence, Bill and Hillary Clinton residence, to a past Obama residence, Barack and Michelle Obama residence, to CNN. I don't know how much we know. I've just been checking with the news a little bit. Who was behind it? Look, you could just have a crazy person that's completely irrational and, and it has nothing to do with politics whatsoever. You could have someone that's on the left trying to make the right look bad, or you could have some right-wing crazy. We don't, we don't know 
all the details. I just looked at a few headlines, read a few stories, and, and that's it. So if there's more breaking news in the last few minutes, I haven't seen it. But when you have a climate with such extreme rhetoric, with celebrities talking about blowing up the White House, calling Trump a murderer, and, and then you have the president himself stirring things up with, with comments, no, not on that level, but comments that really provoke and incite anger and so on. We, we got, a, we got a, a real mess boiling here. And, and we, we're talking about things could get bloody soon unless and, and cooler heads prevail. Where's it going to start? Hopefully with us. Hopefully with the church. Hopefully with the people of God. So here's my question. 866-34-TRUTH. Here's my question. Can we have unity in Jesus in the midst of our political differences? What do you think? It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-348-7884. Here's something that I really took exception to earlier in the week. I took exception to a caller telling me that a Christian to vote for Donald Trump is a hypocrite. If a Christian votes for Donald Trump, that person is being hypocritical. I asked the caller, did you vote for Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton? Yes. Well, then, and claim to be a Christian. I'm not doubting that the person is a Christian. Now, now I have a problem. If you said, I could not vote for either candidate, or I, I cast a protest vote for a third-party candidate, or I wrote in a name, or I just had to sit out the presidential vote, and I voted for other candidates, and I, I can respect that. I understand because I firmly, deeply opposed Donald Trump during the Republican primaries and couldn't see what others saw that was good and right about him. All right. So I could respect someone just sitting things out or saying in conscience, I couldn't vote for either candidate. I cannot respect someone calling me a hypocrite for casting my vote for Donald Trump, not for savior, not for redeemer, not for Messiah, not for Lord, but for president. I cannot respect when someone tells me I was a hypocrite voting for him because he can be crude and mean-spirited and divisive and vulgar and things like that, when you, in turn, voted for pro-abortion candidates, when you, in turn, voted for candidates who, who want to bring about radical social change through LGBT activism, and you call yourself a Christian. That I don't respect. That, to me, is real hypocrisy. Again, if you say, look, I don't see how you voted for Trump but, hey, I, I respect your walk with the Lord, and that's, that's for you to process. And I say to you, I can't understand how you voted for Hillary Clinton or, or for Barack Obama. But I'm not denying that you love the Lord, and that's, you know, so we're going to unify around Jesus. But if you're going to call me a hypocrite, then I'm going to call you a hypocrite. we got to do better than that. How about we don't call each other hypocrites? I want to say it again. For the life of me, I cannot understand how you can vote for a candidate who wants to redefine marriage or support radical LGBT activism, or who is supporting Planned Parenthood, murderous Planned Parenthood, and supporting the slaughter of the unborn in the womb and the degeneration of our culture by losing a culture of life, and, and is not standing with our religious liberties and, and wants to radically change our constitution the way it's applied, 
I can't understand how you as a follower of Jesus could vote for that person. However, I have had Christians, godly Christians, call my show, love the Lord, love the Word, and explain their vote. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to judge their walk with God. And that's why I've opened the phones to tell me. I, I still don't agree with their position, but I'm not saying they're not saved, they're antichrist, they're voting for the devil. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to urge them to vote differently and then respect if they differ with me. Well, you gotta, you got to give the same liberty back the other way. How could you vote for a man like that? I understand the question. Trust me, I understand it. I understand it because, because my wife, Nancy, even when she felt during the primary, she said, I, I, I think Trump's going to get elected president. She had that feeling. Boy, she didn't want it to happen. And I don't know without Vice President Pence being part of the ticket if she would have voted for Donald Trump. She certainly wouldn't have voted for Hillary. But here's my point. I want to say this again. And I realize some of you listen to the podcast completely or watch the broadcast completely. Others, you catch 10 minutes, 15 minutes driving in your car. So maybe you haven't heard me say this. When we stand before God on Judgment Day, he's not going to say to us, what did you do about Donald Trump? He's going to say, what did you do about Jesus? Let's not make Trump or Obama or Hillary or Bush. Let's not make our presidents what defines us. Let's not make our presidents what our testimony is hanging on. Let's be able to sit down. I don't drink coffee, but across the table with a proverbial cup of coffee. All right. Let's sit down. You have your coffee. I have my Perrier. And, and you explain to me your political view. I mean, I'm talking about fellow believers. And I'll explain my political view. And they say, hey, let's pray for one another. Hey, what's going on in your family? Let's pray. Hey, what's going on with, you, you know, reaching the lost in your community? And Okay, so we have our differences, and now let's unify. Let's major on what we major on. I urge families to do it because I know families are getting separated. I know friends are getting separated. Don't let that happen. The devil wants that. Oh, there are lines we draw, and there are people that, that because of extreme positions, we cannot fellowship with. But for the most part, we can have our political differences, and we can fellowship in Jesus. And, it, and if you have to not tell a person how you voted because it's going to upset the relationship, just say, hey, my vote's between me and God. Your vote's between you and God. And let's talk about what can we do in our community. And I'm not going to ask you, did you vote for Hillary or Obama? Did, did, you, did you vote for Romney or or, or Trump, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you those questions, but I'll say this. Hey, there's an abortion clinic in our neighborhood. What can we do about it? Hey, there are poor people in our neighborhood that are being overlooked. What can we do about that? Hey, there's a whole community here, gangs, that nobody's reaching them. What can we do about that? We'll talk about that. All right, little experiment, little experiment. Let me read this quote to you. Tell me what you think of it, all right? And um, I'm not going to tell you who said it yet. You can probably get a pretty good guess, but let me read it to you. We all agree on the need to better secure the border and to punish employers who choose to hire illegal immigrants. We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States. But those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law and they are showing disregard for those following the law. We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully to become immigrants in this country. You say, that's obvious, that's Donald Trump. Was it? Were those words of Donald Trump, that quote that I just read? No, 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 that goes way back. That's Ronald Reagan, actually. That sounds like Reagan, because he was a strong law and order guy. Was it? Was it Reagan? Maybe George H.W. Bush? Maybe George W. Bush? Maybe one of those? Let's, let's see... Who said it? Uh, play the clip, Caleb. 
We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. Yes, that was Senator Barack Obama. Now, here's the deal. Some of you heard that quote and thought that's Donald Trump, and you didn't like it. He's harsh. He's not compassionate. He wants to build a wall. He wants to separate parents from children. The guy's a monster. How could a Christian vote for him? Well, those words were not the words of Donald Trump, nor were they of Ronald Reagan or George H.W. Bush or George Bush or recent Republican presidents going back to Reagan. It was not any of them. And they may have said things similar at different times, but that was Senator Barack Obama. Now, now here's my point. There are others that hear that and think, good, that's law and order. That's Trump. That's my man. I'm so glad he said that. I love it. I back every word. Then when you found out it was Barack Obama, it's like, well, you know. In other words, it's not the content of the words that gets us. It's not the truth content. It's not the facts. It's who said it. And, and friends, we do this all the time. I'm sure I do it, that I hear a quote. Let's say it's, let's say it's from a theologian I trust, and the quote sounds a little extreme. It's like, okay, here's what I think he meant by it. But if it's a person I regard as a heretic, it's like, yeah, there's proof the person's a heretic. In other words, we have double standards. We have unequal weights and measures. What I'm calling for is consistency. So I'm not pro-Trump or anti-Trump or pro-Obama or anti-Obama. I, I am pro-God, pro-family, pro-life, pro-America, pro-Israel, pro-what's best for our nation. And to the extent a political candidate, a political leader is for those values, to that extent, I'm for them. Will I support in terms of honor and respect? Well, whoever the person is, of course. I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh decades ago, and, and he'd refer to Bill Clinton as Slick Willie. I thought, well, I could never do that, even though I, I, I deplore his, his morals and, and even though I, I deplore his, his stance on many key social issues, he's still the president. And as such, I'd speak with him respectfully. A, a couple of times over the, the years of President Obama, I wrote a, an open letter to the president whether he ever sees it or not is one thing, but I wrote it to express things as a voice for others and for others to read and, and relate to. But you better believe it's full of respect and there's no name calling. The man's the president of the United States. And on President Trump's worst, nastiest, most mean-spirited tweeting day, he's still the president of the United States. And, and I'm always going to be a supporter of the president in that respect, that I, I want to see what's best for the president, what's best for the country. But I'm not going to divide over who said it or, or which party backed this, uh, which means sometimes I'm going to agree and sometimes I'm going to disagree. Sometimes I'm going to say amen and sometimes I'm going to say, oh, gosh, I wish. Why? Because we worship at the altar of Jesus. We don't worship at the altar of the president, be it President Obama or President Trump. 
We don't worship at the altar of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. We worship at the altar of the Lord. You and I together, in the midst of our political differences, in the midst of our social background differences, in the midst of our ethnic and racial differences in terms of how we've been raised and how we relate and how we see the world, we bow down as disciples together at the altar of the Lord and then find value and strength in, in the, the different perspectives that we bring and we learn from one another and we sharpen our positions based on one another. And then at the end of the day, we embrace and pray one for another. If at the end of the day, we get into a fist fight, something is wrong, something is wrong. All right, we come back, <clears throat> we're going straight to your calls and I've got another interesting experiment I'm going to try on the other side of the break. 866-34-TRUTH. Your calls coming next. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, I just tweeted it out. Well, hang on. Tweeting it this second. Followers of Jesus should be able to have a, a passionate discussion about political differences and then hug and pray rather than get into a fist fight. Is that too lofty and ideal? 866-34-TRUTH. This is the last day this week where we're focusing on the question of believers and the elections. We'll, we'll talk more before the midterms. Believers in politics, how we can have our political differences and still unite as followers of Jesus. And it's so important we get this right because the nation's being torn apart at the seams. And if we are not peacemakers, if we can't keep cooler heads, if, if we can't control our emotions, how can we expect the world to do it? 866-348-784. Are, are you experiencing division right in your own household over President Trump? Supporting him, not supporting him? Liking him, not liking him? Voting for him, not voting for him? Are, are you experiencing division among friends, even losing friends over this? Give me a call. Tell me what happened. 866-34-TRUTH. Let, let's talk about it. And some of you have been listening to me for 10 years now on the radio. You remember that we talked about lots of really difficult issues when there was uh, violence that had to do with racial violence, when there was a question of, of, of a white person or Hispanic person killing a black person, and did the, the police and the courts judge properly and things like that. So we talked these things through. Uh, my, my namesake from Ferguson, Missouri, 18-year-old uh, Michael Brown, who was shot. We talked these things through honestly. And I said, can we do this? Can we sit down among others, brothers, sisters in the Lord I'm talking about, followers of Jesus, but with different skin color, with different social upbringing, so, social status, different, different ethnicities, things like that, and say, hey, listen, tell me your perspective. See, I see it like this, but... I want to hear your perspective, and I'm not doing it to argue. I want to understand things. I can't tell you how much I benefited from you callers calling in and giving me a different perspective. I am telling you, it helps shape my understanding because my experience in life, no matter how broad I try to make it, no matter how many times I travel around the world, no matter how many people I know, whatever situations I'm in, 
no matter how much I read and listen, I, I didn't grow up, say, in the inner city. Or I didn't grow up, say, in, in poverty in a village in India. Nor did I grow up among the Hollywood elite. Nor did I grow up in royalty. Right? Nor did I grow up in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish home or a, a radically devoted Muslim home. Or so I, I didn't grow up in those environments. I, I did not grow up battling same-sex attraction or struggling with gender identity. I mean, there's a, a list of millions of things that we didn't grow up with or experience in life that the only way we can understand the person, even in the midst of our differences, is by talking and listening and getting to know them. So I, I gave this challenge and I said, listen, when, when these volatile situations are going on, Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, these, these kinds of things that bring such racial tension to America, can you sit down with someone who differs with you or even just a colleague at work that, that you have a relationship with and say, tell me your perspective. I'd like to share mine, but I want, I want to hear yours first. Even if you differ, it's like, oh, okay, that's how, that's how you see it. Oh, okay, that's why you see it like that. Boy, I really differ, but now I see your perspective. I didn't see that before. I do the same with President Trump. I listen to people that love him. I listen to people that hate him. I listen to his fervent supporters. I listen to his ardent critics. And then I do my best to draw my own conclusions before the Lord. And I pray about these things as well. Here, and I'm going to go to the phones momentarily. In the midst of several years of discussion, about race conflicts in America. I, I boiled things down to a little statement. This, this is not about who's right, who's wrong. This is an, an observation. That white Americans often don't see racism when it is there. Black Americans often see racism when it isn't there. Why? Well, because white Americans and our upbringing and the situation many of us have been in have not been confronted with racism as much have not suffered the ill effects of racism as much in a white majority country. And therefore, we, we don't see it when it is there sometimes. Uh, on the other hand, black Americans who've suffered racial discrimination much more than white Americans have, I mean, night and day, that they may see it when it's not there because they've experienced it so much. That was just a little helpful template with me. It's the same way with political divisions. It's the same with right and left. It's the same with Republican, Democrat that we're going to have different perspectives and different values and different things that matter to us. And so here's what I challenge you to do. If Barack Obama, let's say you're a conservative and you really like Donald Trump. Let's be honest. If Barack Obama sent out tweets the way Donald Trump did, or if Barack Obama had the alleged sexual past that Donald Trump did, you'd be all over that. Many of us would. We, that's wrong. And look, this immoral. The guy's a bad example. But when it's Trump, it's like, hey, man, that's who he is. We needed a fighter. Right? Now, come on. Turn it around the other way. If you voted for Barack Obama and you really don't like Donald Trump, you voted for Hillary Clinton, you really don't like Donald Trump. And it was, so you're criticizing Trump's behavior you're, and you're criticizing his past. If it was Barack Obama, you'd say, that's the man's past. He's married to one woman now. That was his past. And I'm glad somebody's speaking their mind and pushing back against the media and all these. So we, we defend the people we like. We criticize the people we don't like instead of saying, well, what's the truth? What's right and wrong? Because we have blind spots and biases. Now, I, I may be saying certain things, and some of you are shaking your head saying, yes, at last, someone's speaking the truth. Someone cutting it down the middle. And others, you're incensed with me on either side. You're, you're upset with me on either side. But that's okay. We're going to have some healthy conversations. 
866-34-TRUTH. We start in Colfax. No, we don't. Uh, let's start in New York. Adam, are you there? Are they just dropping like flies? That's wild. We check. Everybody's there. Then they're gone. We go over to Utah. Joel, we start with you. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Thank you for taking my call. Sure thing. How How's my uh, audio? Is it clear? Well, um, it's always clear in my ear, but the studio has to tell me. Are you speaking right in the phone as opposed to speakerphone? I'm in my car, and while I was talking with Howard, he, he asked me to make sure that I stayed on the phone. All right. We're, 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 I am. Okay, we're good now. Go ahead. We got, we got a thumbs up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Thumbs up. Go for it, man. Cool, man. Uh, Dr. Brown, first of all, thank you. Uh, secondly, I like the clip, and this is what compelled me to call. Yeah. The senator, the senator brought Barack Obama. And hang on just one second. If, for those of you who didn't hear it, like it's, it's a yeah, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on just one second. Uh, folks, for those of you who didn't yep. hear this, I, I read a quote that sounded like Donald Trump verbatim about immigration and we need to crack down and all this stuff and to see if you liked it or agree with it or not. And then I played it. It was actually Senator Barack Obama who said it. And I was illustrating the point that we tend not to judge based on what's being said, but on who said it. So, OK, back to you. Thank you, Dr. Brown. And that, that, that's the point. You, you hit it spot on. It's not who said it. It's, it's the words in themselves or themselves, in my yeah, but, opinion. Yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. Not Sean Hannity said it or Anderson Cooper said it or Rachel Maddow said it or Rush Limbaugh said it or Donald Trump said it yeah, man, or Hillary Clinton said I, it. I mean, I'm going to be – I'm rigorously honest these days, Dr. Brown. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, you know, I, I've had what's called a anti midlife crisis. Uh, like I just turned 50, but I live uh-huh. my life so fully, um, in my younger years for the purpose. When I was younger, I, I used to think I'll never have a midlife crisis. I'm living my life so fully. I traveled everywhere. I, you know, I was, I had great fortune and now I just want to be simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so anyway, reading, hearing those words. I agree. I have to agree with it. Like, yes, we need to control the border, in my opinion. But how? I don't think a wall is the answer. I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, listen, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's, it's a very complex issue. If it was a simple issue, it would have been solved. And a wall may be necessary. I don't. Oh, li- listen, I speak about the things where I have some expertise, some knowledge, particular burden. That's, that's why I'm not all over the place on every political subject or social subject because I don't have expertise, and that's why we bring other guests on. Maybe we need a wall. Maybe we just we need better enforcement of our laws so, so the, the needy people that, that can make America their home and, and find refuge here and become productive citizens that they can get in and others that shouldn't be here can't get in. Whether it's a wall solution or not, I don't know. Look, in Israel, there's a security barrier. A security barrier, it... it Maybe three to five percent max is wall, but the rest of it, and I think it's ninety-seven percent is fence. But it's a security barrier, and it's to keep terrorists out, and it's had a profound effect on keeping terrorists out of Israel, keeping murderers out. And you say, well, why is there a wall in some places? Well, to keep snipers out, Be- because these were places where Israelis were being killed by snipers, and now with the wall up, it, it stopped it. Well, nobody likes the wall. Nobody that I've talked to. 
On the on the Palestinian side, they despise it. But the Israelis I talked to, like, we don't like it either. We wish it wasn't here. And it has divided families and it has hurt people's income and things like that. But it was necessary. So is that the case here? I don't know. Experts really need to understand that and, and do something. But the key thing is, if, if Barack Obama had said, we're going to build a wall, most of the supporters of Barack Obama would have said, let's build a wall. Conversely, if Donald Trump says it, they'll say that's, that's racist, that's, that's anti-immigrant, and turn it around and you get the exact opposite results. That's, that's the real issue here. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Keith in High Point, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. I was I was wanting to say it was a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a, as I was driving home, I saw a young man on the side of the road, and he was he was protesting against abortion, mm-hmm. and he was had on shirt and tie and everything, and which I thought was fine, but. He was being ganged up on. He wasn't being hurt, but he was being ganged up on by people who were pro-abortion. And I thought, well, this ain't fair. So I went and parked my car, got out, walked up to where they were at, and I just stood beside the guy. I didn't say nothing to anybody, but I was just kind of watching his back. And as we were, uh, the protesters were there screaming and everything, one, one guy, one of the uh, pro-abortion people, he was checking his pockets he pulled out a cigarette and i i happen to be a smoker too and i pulled mine out said you want to try one of mine they're homemade you know make them at home no no i don't want any i said okay okay they're really good or you know less chemical tell you what hang on we got a break we come back you can finish the story we'll have to get the concise version we'll take some more calls about votes and we're gonna do a little experiment we're gonna try an experiment as soon as we're done talking with keith we're going to try this out. Stay right here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to the phones, and then we're going to try an experiment. All right, so, Keith, the concise version of the story, you offered this pro-abortion guy a cigarette, a yeah, one of yours, he didn't want to. Go ahead. Well, anyway, and, and, and I just tried to make talk with him. He wasn't, he wasn't kind of listening, but they had signs made up. And I said, you know, I said, if y'all really want to get your message out, you need to change your signs. And I've been in advertising some. I told them what they should do, you know. Not how to make them, but how they could be read, and and uh, wasn't attacking him, but I was, I'm not for them. But anyway, the guy's kind of, he still was kind of blocking me out, but he listened, and they moved their entire crowd away from this one guy and went to the other corner. And I'm going like, well, that's pretty good. And uh, but I saw the guy a couple of days later at a restaurant. He was standing outside the restaurant, and I. Thought I recognized him. I don't know who he was, but uh, as I'm walking up, he said, "Hey, how you doing there? Good to see you." He said, "You know, they got some good food in there. You know, such such place." I said, "Well, I appreciate that." And I, as I walked in, I realized it was that guy, and I thought, "Well, you know, by the way I talked to him and interacted with him, it changed the way he was acting to begin with." Got it. And and uh. Everybody is so confrontational on one another. We don't want to listen to what each uh, anybody's got to say. 
Or we don't want to be uh, civil to someone who has a a radically different ideology with us. They had had different ideology than me, but I'm not going to sit there and just bash them in the head because that really won't get anywhere. Right. Maybe maybe we could win them over. There's a time to confront. There's a time to rebuke. But yeah, maybe we could win them over. And what does it say in in Proverbs 15.1 that that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a a harsh word stirs up strife. And then Proverbs 25.15, a a soft word breaks the bone. So I'm I'm all for rebuking, confronting when it's right to do it. But I first want to try to win someone. You can instantly inflame something. Someone's like, what'd you do? What do you mean, what'd you do? And next thing you're in a... Your fists are raised. It's like, what'd you do? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. What what happened? And it's like, everybody calms down, and then you can talk. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. I, I appreciate that. For those who say, but we shouldn't smoke cigarettes, that's that's secondary to the discussion. All right. Before I go back to the phones, let's, uh, let's try this experiment. I'm going to read this quote. I want you to tell me what you think of it, if you agree or disagree. Now, you know yourself, who you voted for, whether you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, Trump, Hillary, all right? You know that. I don't know that. You know that. Let me read this. But there are some areas that the federal government should not leave and should address and address strongly. One of these areas is the problem of illegal immigration. After years of neglect, this administration has taken a strong stand to stiffen the protection of our borders. We are increasing border controls by 50%. We are increasing inspections to prevent the hiring of illegal immigrants. And tonight... I announce I will sign an executive order to deny federal contracts to businesses that hire illegal immigrants. Let me be very clear about this. We are still a nation of immigrants. We should be proud of it. We should honor every legal immigrant here working hard to become a new citizen. But we are also a nation of laws. You say, yeah, I remember when Trump said that. That was definitely Donald Trump. Was it? Was it? All right, check out this clip. It's a bit of a montage, but it is an eye-opener. Let's listen. Let's watch. One of these areas is the problem of illegal immigration. We have to stop the inflow of illegals coming into our country. This administration has taken a strong stand to stiffen the protection of our borders. We will build a wall. It will do what it's supposed to do. Keep illegal immigrants out. We are increasing border controls by 50%. We're going to have a border. It's going to be a real border. We have a country. We have to have borders. We are increasing inspections to prevent the hiring of illegal immigrants. And tonight, I announce I will sign an executive order to deny federal contracts to businesses that hire illegal immigrants. What are we going to do about illegal hiring? You can be very, very strong. It could be a huge financial penalty. It could be beyond a One of these guys penalty. in your... Well, you that's the magnet. That with E-Verify and with the oh, various... Oh, are you for methods. it? I'm for it. We should honor every legal immigrant here working hard to be a good citizen, but we are also a nation of laws. We have a country. We have to have laws. We either have a country or we don't. So what's really interesting is that some of us were nodding our heads in approval when Bill Clinton said those things at a State of the Union address, what, 20-something years ago. And when Donald Trump says similar things, we're shaking our heads. Conversely, some of us were shaking our heads when Bill Clinton said what he said and are nodding our heads when Donald Trump says it, even though what they're saying has a tremendous amount of overlap. Why? Because we're not looking so much at content, but at personality. We're not looking at content as much as we're looking at political parties, ideologies. We've got to get past that. We've got to get past that. 
Look, throughout Scripture, do a study of it. God hates unequal weights and measures. He wants things to be balanced fairly. That's why the Torah even says, don't discriminate on behalf of the poor. If there's a case that comes before you, you have to still rule righteously and and rule based on truth and not just say, well, here's a poor person. I got to decide the the case in their favor. Well, only if it's righteous to do so, even for the poor. So let that guide us. Let us be people of righteousness, which means we're never going to be totally at home with any political party or system or candidate, but we'll do our best to vote righteously and encourage candidates to act righteously. And that's part of what we do as loyal people. We encourage them to do the right thing. And when they do it, we cheer them on. And when we don't, we say, we're disappointed. We really voted for you to do this. If you want to vote in the future, we encourage you to keep this promise. That's that's what righteousness does. Just looking at a note earlier, someone thanked me for speaking the truth in love, even the harsh truth. It is harsh truth sometimes, but it's loving truth. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Mike in Fletcher, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Mike. Yeah, it's uh, pretty providential that you brought this up because I actually posted that video of Bill Clinton this morning on Facebook. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think the issue is who's consistent with the statements, not necessarily, uh, you know, because like James says, you can say you have faith, but without works, it's dead faith. Yep. So when it comes to the Democratic Party, if Bill Clinton's saying this, Obama's saying this, you know, which party is actually consistent with what they're saying? That's, to me, that's what it kind of comes down to. Yeah, that, and that's a fair question. Look, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, that became law under Bill Clinton. He signed it into law, and then each administration could postpone it for six months. Well, the Clinton administration did consistently, and then the George Bush administration did consistently. Eight years, eight years. And then the Barack Obama administration did. Eight years. So you're talking over the course of over 20 years of presidents just passing it off, passing it off. President Trump said we're going to move the embassy, and he did. So that, that gets a big check mark from me. Everyone else said, yeah, we're going to do this. No one did it. He said we're going to do it. Did it. That gets a big check mark. That's a positive. 866-34-TRUTH. Mike, you're absolutely right. Uh, let's go to Rhonda in Raleigh. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. The reason why I wanted to call in was because um, I agree with everything you said. As far as being in a minority, um, I am a born-again Christian. And the reason why I vote conservatively is because of my Christianity. And I have been ostracized by a lot of my black counterparts because they see me as a traitor. When I ask what are your reasons for voting a particular party, it's generational. But when I ask the specific reasons, does this weigh in with your beliefs as a Christian? Do you believe in abortion? Do you believe in same-sex marriages? Do you believe in this or is this doctrinal? Then they tell me no, and they give me an excuse. But I said, so how can you, how can you be in agreement with something that is directly contradictory to your faith as a Christian? So then that's when the argument changes, or they walk away, and 
or you just don't understand your sellout. Mm. But it, it gets really, really hard for me because I am, it doesn't really matter to me about the political affiliation, but are you lining up with the Word of God? And yeah. if it's not, then I can't be a part of it. So here's here's a question for you, and I appreciate your integrity in that. And many of us have to break with family ties or historic ties or ethnic ties to follow Jesus or to do what we feel is right. And I do have friends of mine, black pastors, who are social conservatives and vote vote conservative, and they're told they're not black enough as if skin color had to do with how one votes, which is, is obviously not the case for any of us. Ultimately, it can't be. But are, are you finding that there's any ground being made? Are you finding that little by little people are saying, hey, this party that promises us a lot really doesn't deliver, or this welfare system that's been put on a lot of us is, is really not helpful? Or are, are you finding any change in thinking, or is it the same now that it's been for years? It's groundswell, sir. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of change. The media doesn't want it to be um, broadcasted as a change, but a lot of people are scratching their heads and saying, wait a minute, um, we haven't prospered under this particular party. Um, things are still pretty much racially divided under this party. Um, there isn't a chicken in every pot. I didn't grow up poor. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, so I get told that I'm not black enough. Mm. But... I'm Christian enough to know yeah. the difference. And, and Rhonda, tell you what, I, I'm guessed you got to jump in, but for everybody here, it's not about being white, black. Are we white enough, black enough, Hispanic enough, Asian enough? Are we Christian enough? Rhonda nailed it. Are we Christian enough? Remember to get my book, Donald Trump is Not My Savior. It'll help you. 